I'm at the Cape Cod Symposium on Addictive Disorders. This is the 32nd annual CCSAD hosted by C4 Events. This is where I get my hands on the experts and the professionals in the field of addiction and mental health disorders. So you can have more help, more support, more connection to the information that is going to bring your family back from the brink of destruction, from these destructive habits, these destructive patterns. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. We've been able to talk a lot about um, you know, it being at an addiction conference where we're talking about all things addiction, all things mental health. And, you know, I know, I know my parents' voice. I know my audience well enough to know that the, that the concern about what's going on on the internet is massive. So let's, let's talk to another one of the big brains, uh, Dr. David Greenfield, um, behavioral addiction and medicine. And we're talking about internet addiction. He spoke today, yesterday on specifically porn porn addiction yeah. okay all right but but let's let's keep it broad we're gonna we're gonna drop sure. into porn addiction um because there's there's questions and and out there in london where we first met and talked you know dr paula hall said something that that i was like oh like that's a that's a thing i didn't know that i'll address in a little bit sure. but let's let's get out to the internet let's tell parents uh uh first of all uh, how you got the DR in front of your name, what you did to get that, where you're working now, self-promote a little bit. Sure. So my name is Dr. David Greenfield. Uh, I'm an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine, where I've been teaching uh, for the last 20 years. And I teach courses in behavioral uh, and process addiction and sexual medicine. And I uh, did my medical and doctoral training in... Uh, at Texas Tech University in 1986. And then I have a specialty uh, board certification in pharmacology as well. So I've been, I've been at this since uh, probably the mid 80s. I wrote a book in 1999 called Virtual Addiction, which was one of the early books on the subject of internet and tech addiction. And obviously over the last 20 years, this thing has skyrocketed and that's become a major part of my specialty in addiction medicine which is the focus of internet and tech addiction i remember our conversation in london and the podcast we did where we talked about when you first wrote that book way back then people were like what are you talking about like yeah. this and and now it is the topic it is the thing have you received apology letters <laughs> no I, you don't get apology letters i i think people realize that i was a bit ahead of the curve. And I think I do get acknowledgement now that I was a pioneer in some ways in this field, but that's pretty typical. Like when you're on the cutting edge of anything sure. that you get kind of criticism and then then you slowly get accepted and then suddenly it's like, oh, of course. And I think that's the way you often see it with new ideas. There's a website called Nine Gag. Nine Gag is a meme site, right? People people create memes, funny things, serious things, gamer specific things, Star Wars centric things, whatever. Because there's a lot of channels yeah. off to the side. I could spend three hours scrolling it, laughing, commenting, maybe making one of my own and checking every now and then that uh, it, it's been upvoted or downvoted. So my question, my very basic question to get us started is. How is the internet addictive and why is the internet addictive? Sure. So the internet is addictive just like everything else is addictive. And what I mean is 
that there's a center in the brain called the limbic system, which is sometimes called the mammalian brain or old brain and, um, or animal brain. And this is a part of the brain that's developed uh, over millions of years. Every animal has it. Humans have the same one. And it's about emotions and reward, and it facilitates addiction through a neurochemical called dopamine. And there's a little area of that part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens. And basically what happens, addiction is very simple. It is a hardwired response that we all have the potential to because when we were evolving, it made sense for two things to be very, very rewarding and very pleasurable. One was eating and the other was having sex and procreating. So the idea, so that reward center evolved to make sure that we would survive. That's the same reward center that gets hijacked and piggybacked by an addictive substance or an addictive behavior. And it doesn't matter whether it's the internet or pornography or gambling or drugs or alcohol. They all elevate those circuits in the reward system, which are a complex interplay of neurochemicals, particularly dopamine. And then the brain basically remembers that if it does this, it has a, rate, a higher level of dopamine and pleasure, so it wants to do it more. So if one's good, two's gonna be better. And then it becomes a habitual pattern, and then the brain becomes, uh, it becomes a habit, for lack of a better word. So when you talk about uh, uh, eating, you, yeah. it, it, we're talking about uh, uh, you know, nurturing, yes. like, like sustenance. Survival. Right, and, and that begins in utero, right? Mm -hmm. We upload to the mommy unit, I need yeah. some sustenance, some yep. some nurturing. Mommy unit receives and downloads. That's how okay. say say again? No, that's right. That's and so how how are we getting? Is is it literally just the chemical release in the brain that feels like we're being fed yeah. by the internet? Yeah, because that area of the brain lights up with dopamine, and dopamine is incredibly pleasurable. I mean, it's it's what makes us feel good. So the internet. Uh, activates that when we're online, if we see something that's positive or desirable, whether it be a pornographic image, or it could be a YouTube video, it could be anything, a video game, it doesn't matter. So what, what I'm saying is that the internet is the world's largest slot machine. It operates the same way that a slot machine does. Every once in a while, you find something you like that gives you pleasure, but you can't predict when you're gonna get it, how much you're gonna get, and what it's going to be. So that 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 terminology I heard the other day um, has to do with like like random reward. variable ratio reinforcement. Variable ratio reinforcement, and that's very addictive. So the maybe factor is that the brain thinks it might get something good this time. It might hit that score on the video game. It might see that video or that naked picture that it really likes. It might see the sports car it wants. It might find that item on the shopping cart. It, it doesn't matter what it is, and that elevates dopamine a little bit. But because you can't predict it, you keep checking it over and over. So then it seems to me that if I go for a uh, a period of time, a, a period of time where I'm not getting the reward, the the random nature yeah. has extended too Correct. long, I'm going to want to up the ante on what I'm seeing in hopes that maybe I will get so for my example of that is if I get really bored when I'm searching on YouTube for yeah. for a new band or something funny, J Dave Chappelle's new thing, but I've watched all them, I'll start watching 
car crash videos. Yeah. And and they're very popular online right now. And what everything you just said is that That's correct. when I'm watching a car crash video, my brain is trying to predict when it's going to happen and where it's going to come right. from. And then it happens and I'm surprises, surprised. And I've just gotten a reward. So the problem I? with that is, is that you develop habituation and tolerance to whatever it is you're looking at. And you have to constantly change it or switch it around. When it comes to porn, that's really a problem because you get bored of all pornography and then you start looking at images that are illegal. And that's where things go really bad. You get bored with marijuana and you start using cocaine. Right. You get bored with beer. It's not you really start... boredom. It's just your brain habituates to it and it just doesn't do the same thing. This is this is 101 stuff. It is 101 stuff. Yeah. So 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 is it it can can you apply the same concept to the internet where look the truth of the matter is is that um, there are people who on New Year's Day can can take a hit from a bong that's being passed around and six months later it's their birthday and someone gives them a joint and they smoke it and they're blasted out of their mind and four months later they have a little bit too much to drink and Uber home and leave their car and then there's me where I can't do any of that. Right. Is, so is we, that true on the internet as well? Well, it, we don't know yet. Um, we've only been researching internet addiction for about 20 years. So, um, but it appears that there is a subset of all of us that can do things for it. Because for instance, when it comes to addiction in general, 90% of people can do just what you talked about. They can have some cocaine one day, and then four months later, get a little drunk. And then six months later, they might do, you know, a hit of mescaline. And then they're fine. Yeah. They're, they live fine. Their lives are fine. They recreationally use those substances and they never develop. It an doesn't addiction. consume their thoughts. 90% can do that. But 10% cannot. 10% become either addicted or dependent or they develop an addictive pattern of behavior that tends to escalate, whether that be alcohol. And that seems to be the case with the internet. Okay, so that leads me to my question. Can we then safely say it's not the internet, it's the people? It's, it's yeah, it's, it's the, it's our propensity. Addiction is a normal neurobiological phenomenon that is mediated by obviously the drug of choice. In this case, we have a digital drug, the internet. Um, now, there are ways of control. You know, part of the issue is, should we have unfettered access at high speed everywhere, nine, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week? Should everyone carry an internet portal in their pocket? You know, should porn be, un you know, so the, I don't think it's black or white where we just give it out everywhere. Because the truth is, we do have controls over drugs and alcohol and other substances and gambling, for instance. You can't be 16 and go into a casino and gamble. I mean, there's a reason for that because right. the brain of a 16 year old is not fully cooked. Now, 21, it's a little better. 25, not even fully better. cooked. And and the latest research is that for men at 40, it's fully cooked. Yeah, at 40. At yeah. 40. Yeah, that's, guess where we're all, all men are neurologically down. <laughs> Women have known that forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, Goes without saying. So, uh, so this this brings me to a couple points. Number one, the internet is anarchy. Right. It's, it's the truest experiment of anarchy we have because it's right. no one's in control of it. And the argument of whether someone should be has been an ethical issue since it began. Correct. Yeah. Second of all, it's we have ways of controlling now content through blocks, filters and monitors. Which so any if 14, you have a 16 year old. Right. 
do you want them to have unfettered access to porn? Absolutely probably not. not. You know, because it, it, for a variety of reasons. Right. Same thing with video gaming. You know, which that's a huge issue right now. Not, you know, so what's the percentage of video game addiction in the United States? Between one and three percent. Wow. But that's still millions of people. Millions. Millions. Okay, so then is it is it the lowest common denominator? And I say that chagrined because I, I will place myself in that category that's declaring the rules for the 90% that can actually handle things. Um, I wish that were the case. I don't think that's the case. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. I think that what's happening right now, you know, since there are people like myself who are researching and speaking a lot about this, and we're about to open a 30-bed residential program to treat internet addiction, hopefully in Massachusetts, if we can get it open. And um, I, I think that the tech companies that are giving us access to all this content and all of these devices are starting to be held more accountable. How? They, well, they're shareholders for one, like the shareholders of Apple went to Apple and said, if you don't put some parental controls and limits and feedback mechanisms on these devices, we're going to pull our shares out of your uh, portfo our portfolio. And that actually got Apple to move. Um, I have no idea that happened. That did happen. It was a big issue. Wow. Uh, Google is starting to do the same thing now, and Facebook. It, and, and now Facebook, to, to be able to talk about the issues that I talk about on this podcast, I had to spend thousands of dollars on a legit script certification, which essentially gave me permission to say things like uh, sexting, uh, child abuse, drug addiction, uh, uh, any uh, words uh, that are teen porn addiction, you know, like, like these things would get blocked from my page where I treat children right. for these things. But I had, so I know that the controls are starting to be put in place. I know people are starting to show a level of responsibility about it, but where, where I, this, this starts to get me on, on the addiction pieces if, is if we have adults building these devices. We have adults marketing these devices and we have adults buying these devices for their children. Who ultimately, where does the buck stop? Especially when we're dealing with an addictive personality that has some golden thread through the genetics of low dopamine and now they've found a coping mechanism. I mean, the buck stops, I think there's multiple buck stopping points. <laughs> you know, I think the buck stops with the individual a little, obviously when you're talking with an adolescent or young adult, Less so because their judgment is not there. The parents, yeah. school systems, the technology industry, and the government. I think there are multiple people that have to be involved in the solution. It's not going to be one or the other. I watched my niece come home from her first uh, day of high school and spend the evening on the iPad that the school gave yeah, to her. that's a big issue. So, and, and every, everything is Google Doc, right? Yeah, that you can't say to the teacher, uh, I'm halfway through, can I get it to you tomorrow? Because you've shared it with the teacher and they've seen all your progress. Yes. Brilliant, that's brilliant. The paper, we're saving trees. But the, the problem with yeah. that is that 80% of the time, kids and adults spend on those pads or on those devices is not about school. They bring it home and they do all this other stuff on it. It's not just used for school. But what about all the controls that we put on? Well, there are controls. Those devices that the school runs or monitors or owns um, are blocked from certain things. You can't get porn on it. Um, but you can certainly look at YouTube because they have to keep YouTube open because they use YouTube a yeah. lot for school classes. So do you think some of those kids will sit there and watch two hours or three hours or four hours of YouTube? 
Absolutely. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I use, I, 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 I market my businesses on the top five social media sites. Right. I have installed on my computer uh, timeout and timeout is a thing where I can go on in the morning and I can say, uh, don't let me log on to these sites uh, for six hours. Yeah. And that is the only way sometimes that I you can, can get manage yourself. Actually, wor actual work done. Yeah, that's actually, well, that's smart. And that's sort of what we all need to do to some extent. Okay, so now tips for parents. Let's get into the meat sure. and potatoes of, first of all, actually before tips for parents, signs that this is a problem. Yeah, these the signs though, signs and symptoms and warning signs for parents with, with regard to your kid, and tech addiction or internet addiction, they're not all that dissimilar from what we see with substance abuse or alcohol. So a withdrawal from the family or other forms of social interaction, uh, increased moodiness and isolation, um, a tendency obviously to be on a screen more. So you, in other words, you'll see them on their smartphone or tablet or computer uh, behind closed doors often uh, to the absence of other things. A reduction in their um, activities in school, uh, 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 schools or social activities. Very important marker is a reduction in academic performance. We very typically see grades dropping significantly when an internet addiction is really ramping up. Um, and then uh, anger when you try to limit their use and uh, some temporary withdrawal when you remove it. In other words, they kind of get irritable and throw a little bit of a tantrum when you ask them to turn it off or if you actually take it away from them or shut it down. I was giving a talk at a high school two weeks ago in Boulder, Colorado uh, for parent back to school night. And a parent, they always ask the question, my kid spends blah, blah, blah on the computer during the day. And um, I'm, you know, should I be concerned? And I said, everything that you've experienced around your child's internet use and the limiting and the consequences and stuff like that, if they reacted that same way because of pills, would you be concerned? And they were like, oh my God, yes. Like, then be concerned. Yeah, it's to the brain, the thing that people have to remember is to the brain, the substance or behavior that induces intoxication and an addictive pattern is irrelevant. The brain does not know whether it's a pill, a gambling casino, a drug, That's internet, porn, video gaming. The brain knows nothing. All it knows is that you're elevating dopamine inside of that's it. That's incredible because that is such a, that's such an, an abstract thought made, made solid to say your brain doesn't know if you're looking at a magazine mm -hmm. or or smoking a like it doesn't. And it not doesn't only that, the American Society of Addiction Medicine, which is the group that I belong to, if you read their short definition, you can read it online. It's it's a good definition. Um, on what addiction is, they talk about behaviors or substances. The brain doesn't know the difference. Okay, let's let's give parents a couple steps to begin the process of um, limiting and consequencing and boundaries. Of course, the deeper the deeper sure. things need deeper recovery. So I think that the first thing is that they need to assume that you need to assume that if your child has unfettered access to the internet whether it be through a tablet or a smartphone or a computer, they're going to do and look at things that you probably may not want them to. And you're going to have to assume that they're, they're going to do that, whether you like it or not. You can't stop that completely. Um, I think depending on the age of the child 
having parental controls that are set up to limit access to the most addictive content. And the most addictive content, and it might not be to eliminate it completely, it might be to limit access a little bit or significantly, unless they have already demonstrated a problem. So that would be pornography, video game, believe it or not, at times YouTube, because YouTube can be very addictive. Oh, without a doubt. So a because, doubt. especially because YouTube will self, will self, um, you know, it'll self start over and over unless you turn that off. Right. And you could, you could burn five hours. One of the things that we know about internet is that we discovered this in our early research back in the late nineties is oh. that you dissociate and you lose track of time and space when you're on a screen. So your kid can't tell whether he or she is on for 15 minutes or 15 hours. Same thing happened to me when I was high. Exactly. Yeah. Dissociation is a part of being high. Yeah. That's what being high Holy is. Holy moly. So setting those parameters, putting some parental controls or limits, um, not letting your child sleep with a screen in their room, I think that is a huge mistake. So oh, no screens in rooms. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of having a computer in the room. I know a lot of kids do, unless it has blocks or filters on it. I think that internet uh, Wi-Fi access um, should be shut off at a certain point in the home. You know, whether that be 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, depending on the age of your child. Obviously, you have to adjust this all based on age. Um, setting limits in terms of family meals. So no phones, no devices on the table when you're having dinner. Um, but wait a second, Doc. I got an important call that I'm expecting. Okay, so here's the deal. If you want your kids to have a healthy relationship with technology and a sustainable relationship, the parents, and, we, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else on this, you have to do the same thing you're asking your kids to do. So if your job needs you to be available on your phone, and then you're asking your kid, listen, no phones at the dinner table, we're having dinner together, you can't answer that phone. Their social phone. life is their job at that age. You know? That's right. Yeah. So, okay, you, you, you bridged a subject that I want to talk about before we wrap up with yep. all your contact info and ways people can remain sure. in touch with you. Um, I know adults who are, are extremely high functioning, retired, going through this same stuff, and they have no clue just because under the assumption that they're adults. My, my curiosity is for uh, what, what does internet addiction look like? What are some of the statistics? Not just for kids, and that's my show, but for retirees. Yeah, so um, there's a subgroup of people that are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s that have issues with excessive internet use. The ones that I see in our clinic um, tend to be getting involved with things like pornography. That's where we see the biggest issue. Really? I, I, honest to God, I thought you were going to say Facebook. No. Um, fa social media is becoming a big issue, but the people that we see more issues with social media are younger, not uh, in their 60s and 70s. Um, we are seeing issues. I have many patients in their 50s and 60s that are addicted to online pornography. Wow. All right, Doc. I, how are how are parents going to find you? Do you have Do you have a book? Do, sure. Is there a way I mean, I do have a book. My book's a little old right now. We're working on a new edition. The name of the book is Virtual Addiction. I think it's available on Amazon in digital form. The name of the practice is the Center for Internet and Tech Addiction, Technology Addiction, 
And the website is virtual-addiction.com, virtual-addiction.com. My name is Dr. David Greenfield. They can certainly look me up or Google me, and I'm not hard to find. No. And uh, we're also opening a residential program, which we hope to have open sometime in the fall. And how about an email address that they email can go straight great. question? So Dr. Dave, D-R-D-A-V-E, at virtual-addiction.com. And Facebook, by chance? Yeah, Facebook. I have no idea what it's called. What is it? It's on there. Yeah, we're on Facebook. <laughs> I don't even know. I I'm think not, that that actually is pretty healthy. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Doctor Dave, thank you so much again. Um, this is great. This is what parents need. They need yeah. they need to know when and what. So thanks Happy so much. Help. Thanks thank so you. much. Bye bye. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much, parents, for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. I'd like to thank CCSAD for their support and the opportunity to interview all of these amazing guests for this series. If you have seen Beyond Risk and Back on any of the five major social media sites, you can thank Your Cause Consulting. Your Cause Consulting specializes in marketing companies that have something going on bigger than just running their business. They have a cause. If you'd like to contact Your Cause Consulting, go to yourcauseconsulting at gmail.com. All the sound and the music was engineered and created by Deepin Productions. To reach Deepin Productions, go to deepinproductions at gmail.com. D-E-E-P-E-N productions at gmail.com. This is Aaron Huey. Parents, remember to take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second, and your children third. In that way, we do our best work with our children. We'll talk again soon.